How's it going, everybody? This is the Gen X Talk Podcast. I'm Mike. And with me, as usual, is JB what and up? Jab. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? And today, we're joined by our very special guest, licensed professional counselor, Mary Susan Lyons, MS. And we are going to talk today about depression and mental health and... We are going to have a good time with it. <laughs> sounds, so it already sounds depressing, Mike. Yeah. It's like, we're going to talk about depression. What, what is our title? <laughs> yeah, tell them the title, man, because that thing was nice. The way depression is not just sadness. A discussion with licensed mm-hmm. professional counselor, Mary Susan Lyons, MS. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Y'all can call me Susan. Okay. Well, real quick, we're going to get into Les Seat. Les Seat, Les Seat. Um, I don't have a whole lot to talk about, Lizzie, but I'm just going to say welcome home, Twisted Black, Tummy Burns. He's a a rap artist from the Fort Worth area. He's back home. He's been on what we call a vacation. I'm pretty sure he had to be very strong mentally. Um, We want to hear from you, brother. Make this clip. Twisted Black, we need to get you here for our interview. They're having a big car show Sunday. That's tomorrow. It's where, in four words. Where at? Uh, right over there. Matter of fact, you ought to go up there. I love car shows. Is it yeah. classic or just regular or whatever? Man, I think it's going to be whatever you have, bro. Man. You might want to take that. It's um, I don't know the exact address, but you remember uh, Felix, right there on Felix Street? Yeah. When we were kids, I believe it was a Kmart, and then it became Fort Worth Bazaar. Yeah. That's where it's going to yeah, be. I know where it is. Yeah, it's man. I, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty nice, man. You might want to. The classic car people or car people in general, we, we really um we really stick well together, you know, hardcore. You know, yeah. so every time we hear of a car show or something, we're we're pretty you know, pretty real. Yeah, pretty it's pretty big, it. man. Yeah, y'all come on out. I'm gonna be there. Uh my buddy's gonna be there with his food truck. Uh Max food truck, they'll be there. They got good food, man. So everybody go check that out. But that's all I got for Lessie. Hey, Twisted Black, we wanna get you on the show, buddy. We yeah. need you, man. I'll let all us. right. What time? What time is the car show? Oh, so y'all asked too many questions. Y'all got me there, man. God. That's all right. We're going to talk cars. Uh, yeah, I know y'all. It'll all day tomorrow. I know y'all be there early, 11, 12. I don't know. Ride by. I, get, <laughs> I, was, I was just. <laughs> we'll get it to you. I guarantee everybody who's watching, we'll have, I'll have it to you. So just so you know, Susan, I have a 1956 T-Bird. Oh, nice. It's freaking gorgeous. It's black. It's got the like the T-Bird porthole on the side of it. It's got red leather interior. Mm-hmm. I just love that car. So it sounds gorgeous. But I'm always scared to drive it. Yeah. You know, and so anytime I can go somewhere where there's other enthusiasts around, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to participate. So yeah. I'm going to, what's his name? Twisted what? Twisted Black. No, he, that's not the car show. This is just a rest oh. home. Uh-huh. I oh, my bad. I just to plug in the show because we're just hoping he's there tomorrow. You oh, know? I no, thought that. Two, I thought... two separate events. Two separate events. That's Mac Henry. Actually, Mac Henry is, I think, is over that. Uh, shout out to you too, brother. But, uh, no, I was just yeah, just yeah. They that people they know they'll know what's going on. But yeah, he's home and he's who I want to get on the show, man. I want to get an interview, man. We want to know what he's doing, which because we know he's about to get back in the streets. He was like one of the biggest, I'm gonna say the biggest rapper in Texas, or at least Fort Worth for sure, Dallas Fort Worth area. And he's back home and he's back recording. I, we're just waiting to see what's going on with the car show. It's gonna be there, and I'm just saying what I'm hoping. Because they're going to have some, a couple of rap artists from Houston. Yeah. And I'm just putting his name out there because I'm just hoping that maybe he's a surprise guest or something. So that's, that's why I said that. That's just my personal. 
Twisted you know. Black can meet Slick Red over here, you know, mm-hmm. get, get up over there. <laughs> <laughs> you better avoid the highway, then. Hey, hey, Taking the side roads the whole way there. <laughs> Before we get too serious, because I don't want to joke around about this as a serious subject, but uh, uh, he was talking about this car, and there's another episode where he's going to possibly give this car to his daughter, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm I'm a little bit in debt to Jeremy, so I, if you hey if your nah. daughter's listening, remember I still got a plan for us. I got a plan <laughs> for us. Remember, you'll be her best friend real soon. Hey, I got a plan for so us. So to fill you in real quick, just, mm-hmm. so I bought the '56 T-Bird, and mm-hmm. it was her dream car. Mm-hmm. But Alyssa actually is real similar to you. Like she's got a military background. She's in the National Guard Army, mm-hmm. and uh, she's about to be 21. Okay, and uh, so she um, went in the military and. She's going to school in the Dallas Funeral Institute, which is interesting. A, yeah, okay. mortuary. It's a, dude, it's crazy. Like literally, there's a talking about depression. She made a um, just recently, like two days ago, she made a model of a casket. Mm-hmm. And I walk in my house, I go, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> you know, like it looks like a rat casket or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. she goes, "Oh, Dad, I had to make it, you know, for school." I'm like, "Damn!" But. She's a go-getter, real strong-minded, you know, lady, real go-getter. Mm-hmm. And her dream car is that 1956 T-Bird. And I wow. told her, I said, okay, I'll tell you what. When you graduate college and you get a job, then I'll, one of two things will happen. I either let you have it or I die first and you have it. So one of the two, whichever the decision is. You You're know, really having trouble letting go of that. It is. Yeah, it's, so, it's tough. Yeah, so I, I came up with a plan because I got into a little bit of – Debt with Jeremy, JB, and so I was like, um, either we just a joke around, you know, it's just a joke, of course, but yeah, I always yeah. tell her, I got a plan to say, get her what she wants and give me what I do want, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're here to talk about mental health, we are, and there is something before we get into the deep dive with our guests, there is something that I wanted to get into. Um, and uh, I actually read a post last week that said something about our generation, Generation X, Mm -hmm. said that we were the ones who grew up early but never finished adulthood. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, uh, it made me think, like, what does that really mean? And what comes to my mind is the way we use social media is very unique. We're doing something with it that's never been done before and will probably never been be done again because for one our parents our elders they didn't have social media so most of the people that they grew up with whenever they graduated they never saw those people again they never saw them they never heard from them again except for maybe a handful of really close friends that they kept Mm -hmm. contact with but even that was a phone call or a very very rare visit And then the people that are younger than us, they're using social media in a different way because they use it to make new connections. They use it to meet new people. It's kind of their social group now. I've seen people who have entire friend groups that are completely virtual. and You don't got that? (laughs) You don't have that? But they're people that I know. They're people that I've met in Uh. person. See, they have friend groups that they've never met before. I even know people who have boyfriends and girlfriends that they've never met in person and probably never will. Wow. And what makes us different, what makes us unique, is that we went to school and graduated before there was social media, but we were still young enough to embrace it whenever it came out, and we use it to reconnect with the people that we knew before. Yeah, That's true. Mm. So 
it gives us an advantage where our parents, like maybe they kept one or two friends from high school, and then after that, their friends are their family, their coworkers and neighbors. Mm-hmm. We stay connected to everybody that we went to high school with, that we went to school with, everyone that we knew. We have, and we have deeper connections because we get to follow all of their life events. We get to see them grow up. We get to see them get married, get their first mm-hmm. cars, have their first kids. Mm-hmm. We get to watch all of the major life events of all of our peers growing up. He's telling the truth. And mm-hmm. sometimes um, we also witness those lives come to an end. Mm-hmm. and that's true that's what i want to get into because that kind of hit me on a personal level recently a young lady that i've known since second grade mm. and we never lost connection even though the last 20 years she lived in oslo norway but because of wow. social media and because we had those connections i mean mm-hmm. we were still just a video call away from being in the same room even though she lived on the other side of the planet and uh, I know that a lot of the people that I grew up with and went to school with are really affected by her loss, as I am too. And I'm starting to wonder because we're getting older and this is becoming a more frequent thing. I mean, this wasn't the first person we've mm-hmm. seen pass and she won't mm-hmm. be the last at some point. This is going to happen on a pretty regular basis. And my question to you, Susan, is, are we prepared for this? Do you anticipate a new crisis of our generation because of social media and witnessing so many people that we grew up with and losing them? Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I think we're already in kind of a social media crisis like you're talking about because while we're seeing what other people are doing at the same time, we've never, we've never been more connected, but at the same time, we've never been more disconnected. Exactly. Mm. Um, I was talking recently uh, with some patients actually, and the fact that we had, we've lost our tribes, you know, uh, those family groupings where we could just reach out. We helped each other out. We, you know, stayed in contact. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't, you know, I, I remember being a kid and like, you know, my mom's friends would come over and they didn't, they didn't call first. They didn't text first. They just, you know, came over. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. And, yeah. Cause in my house, you better not come over without calling me, without hitting the okay first. You can't amen to that. In. You can't even get in. No, I won't answer the Only door. my daughter. That's the only one. <laughs> we, we grew up, you know. Yeah. We didn't grow up like that. Our household always had people in it. You, you know, you probably remember. Mm-hmm. We always had people mm-hmm. in our household. Y'all know. I mean, always. And people just showed up all the time, but, but. I think, depending on how you're wired, I actually enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I like that people would show up. I mean, sometimes it was annoying as shit, you know. Yeah. No, I think I like it too. Yeah, it's cool. But now it's weird. Like you I know, like, like Mike o- said. Yeah, I felt like it's okay if somebody it's somebody else's house. <laughs> 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 like, just don't come over to my house like that. <laughs> I, I, that right. My my opinion is that um, social media did it kind of brought depression because a lot of people that I even know personally, people are dealing with stuff, and when you get to the point where like a lot of my family members, we don't see each other, especially since COVID. Mm-hmm. So we only really see each other through Facebook mm-hmm. and people post most of the Facebook is you post good stuff. Or, right. So you find out later, like, dang, I didn't know he had, you know, he developed cancer. He didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know he or she was going through this or mm-hmm. they had a nervous breakdown last week. Because when you're looking at their Facebook, 
you see stuff and you assume they're fine. Everything looks great. Yeah, and yeah. I know a lot of my family members are close friends. I haven't seen them posted in a while. Mm-hmm. Then I'll reach out to them. Hey, everything okay? I ain't seen you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, I've done that several times. So, yeah. Yeah, things are It always strange. makes me feel good when someone reaches out to me. Yeah, because but again, we're so isolated. That sense of kind of you can be in a room full of people and still feel very lonely. Yes, mm, and of honestly, social. There's been numerous studies about social media, and social media does increase um, depression and anxiety. Yeah. Mm. Matter of fact, <laughs> there was a study that Facebook did, and Facebook's own study demonstrated that the more time people spent on Facebook, the more depressed they were. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, you're, oh, you can't help but comparing yourself, right? Exactly. Mm. And if you're going through some stuff and then you're comparing yourself to someone that their, you know, their Facebook, everything they post looks positive and happy. Mm. And, you know, it seems like they're always going on vacation. They're always doing fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, That's how I felt when I saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, we reconnected on Facebook and I oh, saw really? him. Yeah. He had his girl and he <laughs> had this card. He posted that. Old, he posted it. And, oh, I and know. I said, damn, we, we went to the same school. What the fuck did I do? I know. What did no, I no, not I, do? I, I, yeah, I got I, depressed. I was seeing your stuff on Facebook and going, yeah. okay, little Jeremy made something of himself. Oh, and you know. He did good. Yeah, we, we, there, I should, we should have been talking about that blind, guy. A blind squirrel <laughs> can find a nut, you know. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Keep sniffing around long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. People look at Jeremy's Facebook and they're like, hey, man, he really came up in the world. They look at mine and like, dang, Mike got fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, I think that does happen. It did, that didn't happen to me, cause, mm-hmm. but I think it really can. But I think if we could find a way, I look at people, especially people like Jeremy, because I knew him. Like we were all like this. Like, we were kind of. I say we were yeah. poor kids. Mm-hmm. I, I say yeah. we were. Yeah, oh, yeah. Compared, yeah. And and when I see people be successful, it's more of a inspiration to me. Yeah. And it's more of a like you know what I need to get out here and do this, 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 mm-hmm. and I'll study the person. Like I may not talk to them, but I'll also study them and study what they're doing, and that will keep you from becoming depressed. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll do an observation for each three of you real quick. Some okay. Fun exercise. <clears throat> so I'm on social media, and I, I observed all your social medias, you included. Okay. Um, and starting with you, I actually give you a lot of praise. You got a young young man in this world, mm-hmm. Jude. Mr. Jude, yes. yeah. I love him to death. He's a gorgeous boy, he is. Thank you. He's my pride and joy. Well, you've My done a lot. Me. I've known you for a long time, long, long time, mm-hmm. and you've done a lot. You've went from Crowley, mm-hmm. right? And trailer you, Park, yeah, I was Trailer Park girl, Trailer Park, yeah, uh, right behind the Dairy Queen. Yep. And now look at you, Charlotte City. Yeah, Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, old now, Charlotte City. But look yeah, at Charlotte you, City. Y- y'all talk about me, but look at you. Yeah. Oh well, thank. You. I don't know. I guess it never feels that way to us. You know, because for me, the you know the the whole time it's been a struggle after struggle after struggle. That's everybody, and I kind of feel like I will have come up when, um, just I I don't feel like I'm struggling. Well, yeah, and and the thing is, is but you persevered. You show right. perseverance, mm-hmm. and when people see that, it is motivating. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll I'll say the same about you. Like I see your your social media. For one, you're always in shape. I mean, you are always in good shape. He's always training. He's always on point. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't ever do that. You can look at my life and go, oh, yeah, this guy's got businesses and whatever money you want to have, you want to look at it. But, man, I ain't in shape you are. Man, I ain't in shape no more, boy. I'm but, you're, but your out of shape is way better than my out of shape. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But no, and you're always looking good. You're always, you're always talking good. I mean, you got, you got oh, good yeah. shit going, dude. I'm happy, yeah. Yeah, and Mike, you, got, you have such a fun, authentic. Mike's Mike. 
<laughs> and I always love just seeing you because it's unfiltered. And the thing about you, man, is you got a lot of good friends, a lot of people. There's an aura and a, and a uh, charm about you that I don't think you really, um, you really even know. It's just what, what makes you you, and it's really enjoyable to to be your friend and see that because we all kind of this this whole table's here because of you, really. And yeah. and because of that, that charm, that that uh, radiant is is infectious. Yeah. So. Some things aren't about paper and money. Yeah, mm-hmm. that shit's overrated. More money, more problems. It's more money, more problems. Oh, yeah. dude, always, you know, and, shit. And, and people, what I suggest to people too is, when you look at what people have, whether good or bad, you also have to look at the work that comes with it. Yeah, it, it's real. Uh, when we get on Facebook, just like when I was a fighter, or when I was in shape, which I I, I was. Fighter, you were a fighter. Yes, but I, I mean, I look nice. There were some days I got to pat myself on the back, but then there were times where I looked good. But when I went mm-hmm. to the doctor. I mean, I could I have high blood pressure, mm. and I don't even know why. And I'm yeah. and I'm eating right, and I'm this, and I'm that. Yeah. I even have issues now. So sometimes things look good, or you or like women, you see a woman and you see her with all this nice stuff and nice verses, but then you know her personally, and it's like, man, she's sleeping with four or five different guys. And yeah, she, you know, and she's on. Uh, Although I don't want to shame that. Well, 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 <laughs> we ain't judging. In fact, I, I salute but, that. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I didn't but like, or she's like on some type of drugs, like she's depressed about our lifestyle. And mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm just basically saying that yeah. sometimes you don't know what a person went through to get where they are or right. what they may be doing that, that you wouldn't do. That's I'm talking about. That's not positive. I'm going to mm-hmm. say that doing that is not positive, but it, you know, maybe it is, but, um, you know, basically, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking more like, like prostitution and doing it. But what I'm saying is I'm just basically saying that, Social media just shows only that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't show the behind the scenes. It shows what that person wants to show. Right. And then you do the behind mm-hmm. it. When you, you showing and hoeing, I'm going. Hey, man. <laughs> or you don't know when a person's or how many struggles they have sometimes or how many people they really owe money or mm-hmm. how much it is or, or even just the stress of having to maintain it. Exactly. Yeah, but people true. still make those comparisons. Right. They do. No, they do. And those comparisons yeah. can make you feel really bad, yep. especially if you're someone that's already depressed. Right, right. And let's face it, there you know we post COVID. There's a lot to be depressed about. Hell yeah, man! Mike, how are you doing? How am I doing with the your friend's loss? You mind sharing her first name, or is that no. too personal? Um, you know what? I no. don't really want to drop her name. It's someone that I think a lot of us know. Do it, okay, but, um, that's why I was wondering. I'm not sure if I knew who it was, but I'll just say that uh, she went to our school. She was in my graduating class, and. Okay. She spent the last 20 years living in Norway with her husband and daughter. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, How are you doing, though? We have a lot of mutual friends. I mean, I'm dealing with it. I'm more sad for some of my friends that were, like, really, really close to her, that they were besties, and I know that they're having a really hard time. So, you know, my thoughts definitely go out to them. But mm-hmm. it's tough for all of us, you know. She was a great person. Yeah. Well, um, you, you've got to. Something. Oh, sorry. Oh, right, right, right. You've got to take that time to grieve, though. Like that's the very healthiest thing you can do because everybody grieves in their own time. Mm-hmm. You know, there is there is no set way that somebody is supposed to grieve, and I think many times there's pressure to hurry up and get over that grieving process, like mm-hmm. get over it already. But you know, again, I I think some losses you'd never really get over. You mm-hmm. just learn to live through. Yes, mm-hmm. that sounds great. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and. That would be especially when it comes to parents, mm-hmm. because I know that I am not who I was when 
my father passed, I will never be that person again. Mm-hmm. And then now that I've lost both of them, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I live in a whole different world now. Yeah. And I've just learned to get used to it, but there's never a getting over it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I think when you get used to death, and that's, and that's my issue, I think that it, that that's when you know something is really wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like I grew, where I grew up, and a lot of my fr- people got killed all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I had my best friend's brother. Somebody went in his house and robbed him and killed him. Mm-hmm. And we were kids, and it was scary at the time. Yeah. And then you hear about it to this person, and you get to a point where you're just glad to see people alive. You're mm-hmm. not really sad when they die. And that I is know, so much trauma. And I know that that there's definitely something wrong with me to feel that way. Like sometimes when people die and friends are like, oh, he died and they're so sad. I'm like, like damn, man, we're 40 years old. You know how many people died? Mm-hmm. And I know that th- that's not right for me to feel that way. And so I recognize like, dang, there's probably something wrong with me. But I come from a world where mm-hmm. a lot of people feel like that. I, mean, we, you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's something wrong with you. I would say that's an injury. Yeah. That's trauma. Yeah. And, you know, just because you have trauma does not mean something is wrong with you. Yeah. Like, otherwise, like, there'd be something wrong with a lot of us, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, trauma creates creates that wound. And, um, you know, if you don't work on healing that trauma, um, you know, that's, well, that's when you start running into a lot of problems, depression, anxiety. And then, you know, along with that is a lot of times with trauma, um, not only do people's lives themselves, you know, are not as enriched as they could be, but it also affects the lives of the people around them because people with trauma oftentimes lash out mm. yeah, yeah. and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. They either sure. hurt themselves or they hurt other people, hurt the people around them. Mm-hmm. I agree. So how do you, how do you counsel trauma? How do you counsel it? Someone says I have a traumatic background and I mean, how do you, how do you unfurl that? If you want to call it that, you know, how do, how do you, oh, do you're that? trying to get all the secrets. I want to hear the sauce. <laughs> I want to hear the sauce. All right. Let me show you uh, back behind where the sauce is made. <laughs> uh, no, really, one of the things I really work on first thing before we get into deep talk about their trauma mm-hmm. um, is I work on their coping skills. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to um, deal with it if you start having a flashback? How are you going to start dealing with it if you start disassociating and you're having those ruminating thoughts um, mm-hmm. about your trauma? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, I'm really big on teaching coping skills. Um, I use a lot of DBT, that's dialectical behavior therapy. Mm. Um, And what I really like about it is, you know, it has some stuff from like CBT, like reframing negative thoughts, challenging those negative thoughts, but it adds in elements of mindfulness. So really mindfulness being um, those situations where you actually sit, take the time to appreciate and be fully present. Mm. Because, you know, we go through our lives on autopilot a lot of times and Mm. we are not fully present. And then you wonder why, oh, I can't think of anything happy or, um, you know, any pleasant memories. Well, you know, again, with trauma, you disassociate more. And when you're disassociating, you're not forming those happy new memories. So we do a lot of that in connecting with the self and uh, learning mindfulness techniques to kind of, uh, so that person is much more present in their life. Mm. And then, yes, we, we definitely do um, go back and talk about the actual trauma um, but I don't like people to put, I don't like to push people into talking about the problem, their trauma. I'll remind them. I'm like, well, we still haven't done this. So, you know, when you're ready, that's something we, you know, and I'll ask, Hey, are you ready to, to talk about this yet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, cause pushing someone doesn't help, but you know, but I find that by the time I've gone through all the, we work on the coping skills and mindfulness and self care, you know, kind of their mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we get to the trauma, they have the tools, um, uh, to kind of deal with it in a much healthier way, uh, when the trauma starts coming out and then they kind of start making connections between the things that they do today and their past trauma. Mm. Interesting. So I, I would be curious, you know what, when you, I want to hear about trauma. I wonder if it's the same, the same type of feeling people get when they think about their own demise. Because, like with Mike, oh, like existential, yeah, dread, right? And and that's what I wonder because, <clears throat> like with Mike, I know he's got. And I'll speak. You confirm this, but number one, he's missing loved ones, people that he was dependent on for emotional support. Mm-hmm. Number two. And I think I feel this way because I lost, I lost my dad. I don't know if you knew that. No, my yeah. dad. Yeah, he Your dad away. was so sweet. Yeah, he was. He was awesome. He was. He passed away a couple years ago and that was hard, you know, as well on me. And then I start thinking about my own demise. I start thinking about shit. Now I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to die. And so then you go from the emotional support or lack of mm-hmm. to demise. Where, where does that fit in your, that, that can feed into trauma. Um, honestly, yeah. because, um, you know, when you experience the death of someone that you're very, very close to, that's, you know, that can be traumatic for people, mm-hmm. you know, understand like, and I'm not talking like full on PTSD, anything like that. Right. Um, but what we know now with research is that, you know, way back in the day, we used to think about big T's and little T's, like the big traumas versus the little traumas. And we had this idea that, you know, it was only the big traumas that affected people. Mm-hmm. Um, now we know better. So now we know that like, Big T's affect people. Little T's also affect people. Mm. Um, and a lot of things, co- you know, kind of feed into that. Like, how long did the trauma take place? Mm. You know, mm. uh, and uh, was it, you know, just one little T or was it a bunch of little T's over a period of time? Mm. So all of those things can, you know, decrease, uh, increase both uh, depression and anxiety. So specifically when, you, when people think about their own demise and mm-hmm. they come to you and go, I'm just afraid to die. What do you say? So I don't want to die. Yeah, we How talk about it? it. We talk about it. What does it look like? Um, okay. Am I putting so, it on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Sorry. Okay, so that's okay. Ooh, shake All it right. off. So, so you're afraid to die? I'm not personally. Okay. I'm really not. I would tell you if I was. I'm really not. Okay. But I have been. Mm-hmm. And I've. Uh, it's not more about the fear of death. It's just the fear of what happens when you die. Like, is okay. it completely gone? Or do you have life after death? Or then... Mm-hmm. You worry about people that you leave behind, you know, mm-hmm. it's not the actual death process yeah. so much that just kind of the blowback from it, the blowback. Yeah. yeah. And, and I figured when people start getting reminded of death because mm-hmm. of you love lost ones, you love people and close to you. Mm-hmm. And then you have health scares, you know, which reminds us that we're fragile. Yes. We're, we're fragile yeah. beings. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize that you're fragile and you realize, okay, well, I'm a sentient being. So mm-hmm. fuck, I got all this cranking up in here. Right. Yeah question is what now well, well, <laughs> Fuck, okay. I'm up. well i want to address okay so your particular your particular uh thoughts around you know death mm-hmm. uh kind of revolve around look what you leave behind and how mm-hmm. the people you leave behind are handling it yeah. right yep mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah that's so a, that's a one. one thing i feel like could help you um just an idea uh what could you do to prepare for that so mm-hmm. that you know you don't feel so worried about that and that's not such a concern for you. Okay. Yeah. Like, like will a testament, things like that. Or mm-hmm. 
Yeah, will and testament, uh, setting up trust. Tell them how um, I really feel before I go. Look, yes, come yes. on over here. I'm gonna tell you. No, uh -huh. conversations. Absolutely, I having those conversations, conversations with my daughter mm -hmm. because I know that she's a she's the only child, mm -hmm. and it's kind of you know just me and our mom, and then a couple. So I and I know you know we're not gonna be here forever. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I have conversations with her about it, mm -hmm. which is which is very hard. <laughs> that <laughs> so is hard. Like I more like try to just like I'm always hey. You got to get because I'm not going to be here forever. I, I'm always telling her what she has to mm -hmm. do different. My yeah. parents did the same thing, and they're still here, so right. hopefully I'll still be here. Today. Well, I think mm. the other part of it, too, is making sure that you create those cherished moments with, with, mm. with those loved ones, right? Yeah. So making a point to instead, you know, many times we get caught up in work. We get caught up in household tasks. We got caught up in just things we need to get done. Um, and we don't necessarily take that time to slow down and appreciate our time. And create those fun memories. So I feel like that's the most important thing. Um, you know, maybe that's, and, you know, it's not necessarily even spending money. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. me, you know, for example, with my son. I've, my, I've got, you know, my son's a, um, a only child as well. You know, he's only five. He's, he's cute as hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but doing things like, you know, um, for his birthday, we're renting a pool for him. Because uh, we, we don't have access to a swimming pool. So I'm running a pool for him and doing this big pool party because that's what he wanted. Um, you know, he wants to go he wants to go camping. Um, so that's another thing I'm going to be working towards. Like, I think he's still a little bit on the young side just because he likes to, like, run around and, you know, disappear. Yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah they do at that age. Yeah. They do. Right. So a wild boar. Yeah. But just doing those good things together where you're just enjoying each other's company and forgetting about all the things you need to get done for a little while. I think one of the things that you said about creating memories, uh, that was something that my parents did a lot of. My father, in particular, mm -hmm. was big into photography. I mean, we had thousands and thousands of pictures of every event. Every time we went on a trip or vacation, we have mm -hmm. so many pictures. Well, we know he likes to take a picture of your mom's ass. We heard about hey. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, why, did, why did I want to say Sorry, that? Sorry, I thought right. maybe I shouldn't say that. So. I'm serious. I, I so there was that and then um <laughs> hey that's that's just that's just a healthy you know, hey, intimate relationship it is there, there it is yeah, yeah you know that's when we discussed it before it was healthy for sure <laughs> um but yeah you know his thing was taking pictures and uh we still have a lot of them uh but one of the big things that uh he always he always, <clears throat> he always did was uh easter Mm -hmm. um, he would always take us to this Easter egg hunt at the base on Carswell, NAS Fort Worth, mm -hmm. they call it now. Mm -hmm. And that was like one thing that we never missed. And it's something that I've tried to keep going mm -hmm. uh, since then. Um, so every year I try to host my own... <gasps> <coughs> Holy crap. Get that out, man. Right. I'm looking at you. I'm getting scared. Edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> water? No, nah, I'm fine. Is it air? And I grab, as I grab the water. I guess y'all didn't hear. Okay, so. I heard you. I would continue. <laughs> so you were saying. The You're Easter a dirty, dirty man. And, uh, you know, I try to take pictures and bring the kids out and, you know, do it for my friends, their kids, uh, my family, and really you know it's just one thing that i try to keep going that i picked up from him and hopefully one day someone will pick that up from me and mm -hmm. keep it going even further so that's pretty cool yeah that's just 
something that came to mind when you talked about, you know, how important memories are and creating mm -hmm. them. I like that because in a way you're kind of creating a legacy. You're you're taking over that legacy from your dad and you're kind of hoping that one of your kids will take up the mantle and, and, and continue that legacy from there. I would like that mm -hmm. for sure. It's crazy. You know, I often think he's talking about a memory, but I do ruminate mm -hmm. uh, in thoughts of the past. Yeah. A lot. I uh -huh. mean, I'm talking um, back in the eighties and shit, you know, and uh, what I have the benefit of my dad, uh, similar to yours was a videographer. He enjoyed, I don't know if you remember, he always had a video camera. Mm -hmm. And everyone used to give him shit. They're like, Mickey, you know, you, that video camera that back then it was new. Yeah. People you go, you actually sound like your mom there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Yeah. My mom was real. Y'all, if you remember, I don't know if you remember voice, she's real Texan, you know, <laughs> you little bastard, come over here. You know, my mom, yeah, that thing. Um, yeah, we grew up in a hillbilly house, you know, mm -hmm. dogs mm -hmm. everywhere. You know, we know. <laughs> Jeff's like, you yeah. discussed that. It's dogs and guitars. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was. Fuck. But, uh, but um, I do think, and it's funny you say that, it, I think of those moments, like even the house off Pinehurst, you know, the old street and just the old days. You know, I yeah. think about um, people that I used to hang out with, like, uh, it's funny, if some reason it's popped in my head randomly if he's listening y'all laugh, but Wee Wee, he's the, one of the first guys I met when I moved to uh, Southwest Fort Worth right. in 1988. I met him and his brother, Michael. Yeah. I met him. I met him back in 1988. Peanut, it, peanut, yeah, peanut. Yeah. And I remember him. We we just being so little and just thinking back in those days. And we had a good time and we used to play and basketball to bullshit. And now just those seem like a whole other lifetime ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Even memories I have with you guys just yeah. sit, sitting in here and it specifically when I have someone like like my father. Yeah. Um, and friends, I think back of those those moments and i'm able to reflect in reality because of the video cameras the, the videography mm -hmm. you know we have a bunch of videos and so it's really neat to have but anyways the whole point is it, it definitely has been on overdrive since mm -hmm. i've lost my dad yeah. a lot beforehand i didn't think much of it you know mm -hmm. so i mean you you really appreciate people more after you lose them yeah. 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 I didn't see that with our well, some of you i'm glad they're gone i ain't gonna lie right. <laughs> so put it out there but what, what i want to ask <laughs> you about Mm -hmm. um, what I would like to ask you about is I noticed you said um, you were talking about how we compare things. Mm -hmm. And I think an issue that, and I'm, I like talking about my personal issues too because I know there's somebody else who may feel this Absolutely, same way. yeah. And when you're talking about comparing things, I often, and I have very bad anxiety, and I learned the difference in anxiety and depression, but to me it's kind of one and the same sometimes. Um, they they, they gives, really yeah. come together. Yeah. I mean, really, I have, where you see one, yeah, you, the yeah. other one's right there yeah, oftentimes. Yeah, and the medication makes it worse and all that. But yeah. anyway, um, I, have, I have an issue with, you know, comparing back then to now mm -hmm. and not accepting now. Mm. Like, yeah. and I, you know, with the with the mm. new, you know, male-male relationship, with the new way of this, mm -hmm. allowing your child to go do this, mm. and we didn't do it this way, mm -hmm. is is... Is it better to just, what I had to do with a lot of things mm -hmm. is I had to just accept that, you know, this is the way it is. And it's kind of mm -hmm. either you get with this or you stay here and you get stuck trying to get things back to where mm -hmm. you say they should be or where right. they were. So as a counselor or, you know, with you being a professional, what is your view on dealing with that? Like, where is the line where you, ex you know, hey, this is the way it is now. Mm -hmm. And if you want to, uh, 
not go crazy or not be depressed or not have anxiety. Mm-hmm. You have to just accept it and, and kind of get with the program. It is really funny or, you mentioned that yeah, because that, that's a big one, of, thing. one of the big things that I teach is something called radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, again, comes back comes from uh, DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Mm-hmm. But with radical acceptance, that idea, it, it, the idea is basically you look at the things in your life that you cannot change, right? And you have to accept it. That doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean you, you know, have to, you know, be happy about it. But you radically accept it, as in you stop fighting against it. Mm. You know, you stop spending time on it, and instead you work on the things you can change. You know, yeah, that's and, crazy that you say that. It reminds me of the serenity yeah, prayer. I was just yes, to say that. and that's how I and, teach it. Yeah, they yeah. have this book, mm. and because I grew up in a somewhat of a Christian household. Yeah. No, I ain't gonna say somewhat. I, I was <laughs> not BS. I grew up in a Christian household because I have okay. my own, but I have my own belief about you yeah. know what it really. But anyway, we had that on our. Um, I guess mm-hmm. you could say coffee table. Yeah. Yeah, a little picture of what we call the white Jesus. <laughs> and on the left, it was like it looked like a Bible opened up, mm-hmm. and it was him on one side, and it had that. And when I heard you say that, I was like, mm-hmm. "Dang, I got taught that when I was a child." Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, when I tr- when I teach radical acceptance, that's how I teach it. I, I, you know, and of course, you know, I work at a psychiatric hospital, county psychiatric hospital, so I don't like um, throwing religion into it because. Right. I might have somebody to come in there that's Buddhist or someone that's yeah. Muslim, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I say it like this. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom and to know the, the difference. difference. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's radical acceptance in right. a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, I, as I get older, like with things like that, mm-hmm. and you realize you know the things to deal with stuff, you just forget about them. And get caught up in all the like what you just said, that's like so the minutia, yeah. yeah. And it's like I know when you said it, I'm like mm-hmm. Man, I know that. Well, but, the, but, the funny thing about it is, I was actually introduced to that idea when I was still on active duty, and I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, uh, as a marine. Um, but I was, we were supposed to be going. I was supposed to uh, be PCSing back to the states, and I had so much stuff to get done, and I started freaking out, and I actually had a panic attack. Mm. I've never had a panic attack before, but mm-hmm. I had a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And so one of my buddies, um, who, you know, he was a wise guy, honestly. Um, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately, I've lost touch with him. Mm-hmm. But one of my buddies was like, hey, here's what you need to ask yourself. Can I do anything about that right now? I was like, well, but he's like, no, 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 no. Right now, can you do anything about it? I was like, well, no. All right. Then is worrying about it and working yourself up, is that helping solve that problem in any way? Mm. well no not really then why are you worrying about it you're just stressing yourself out true yeah yeah so i don't know it's really weird but radical acceptance has almost been like a theme in my life Mm -hmm. where you know even but you know years before i even thought about therapy being a therapist um you know having it brought up that way and and later on as a therapist i realized oh gosh in that moment that was so wise because that was radical acceptance yeah it works Mm -hmm. okay yeah it does i have a question Sure. Because I noticed you said therapist, mm-hmm. and then I was calling you a counselor. Yeah. I hope I didn't. No, didn't, no. Yeah, not, I hope it's not right. like calling somebody from South America Mexican or nothing. No, no. <laughs> I, I got a buddy yeah, from Argentina, really don't do, and he will kick my that. ass for that. Yeah, but, they don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, what is the difference? I'm, I've heard a little bit, like I said, I heard it like if you're a psychiatrist, you can make prescriptions of this. But what exactly is the difference in a therapist, a counselor, or 
All, oh, it's all those. Yeah, all those terms are very confusing. Yes. Honestly, before I became one um, and learned enough about it myself, I didn't know either. Um, so, it, you know, again, it could be very confusing. Uh, so a therapist or counselor, it's kind of used interchangeably. Um, licensed professional counselor is what they call it um, in Texas, you know, for that licensure. Um, you know, in other states, sometimes they call it, you know, sometimes they use therapist instead. Um, but... Um, I, you know, but I, I like to use the word therapist. The only issue with therapist is that a lot of times the, the term gets kind of watered down by people, you know, here's a recreation therapist and here's a, um, and not to say that those, cause those are very important jobs, but yeah. you know, there's various different types of therapists. So I'm, you know, specifically mental health therapist. Okay. Yeah. Um, but okay. So psychiatrist is someone that goes, to, uh, someone that goes to school to be a doctor. And then chooses to specialize in uh, mental health psychiatry. So, you know, because they're a doctor, they're able to prescribe medication. Mm. Mm, that's probably where we go get those full bars from the Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, no, oh, yeah. well, well, yeah. okay, so that actually interesting you mentioned that. It's a very, okay, we actually ha- we had a huge mental health crisis with that type of medication. Yeah. Uh, specifically the benzos and the opiates. Yeah. So there's been a real big push to avoid prescribing those. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's hard to get Xanax yeah. now. Yeah, I used to be I'd just go in there, man, I can't sleep, I'm having problems with this, and they just give it to you now. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they oh, you check go. your blood and all. God, yes, God, well, they got to all do, do all yeah. that, and then they're more likely if they do prescribe Xanax, it's for a shorter period of time yeah. Yeah. instead of just, like, being on Xanax for years and years. Honestly, it causes tons of problems. Like, it oh, causes yeah. problems in the brain, um, memory issues with memory and issues with executive function, decision making. Okay. Uh, yeah, basically, it messes up your decision making process. So you end up making some pretty crazy decisions. Oh, that might Not be what's wrong with a lot of from our generation. Yes, yeah, that because we got a lot of people. Yeah, and back in my mm-hmm. younger days, that was a popular thing. I, yes, I wasn't into that, but I Mm-mm. just know a lot of people that were. In it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and then you have what else? Um, Psychologist. Um, psychologists typically they 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 specialize in testing mm. assessment and testing which as a therapist i can do diagnosis but you know it's it's basically you know, i i do diagnose for per, for the insurance co- companies basically when i do the reporting yeah um but psychologists they actually the way they diagnose um they can actually write the letters for you know special services and you know stuff like that so who's the Who's the professional that identifies a bunch of the different personalities in people? Oh, you're talking about oh split personalities. Yes, um, DID. DID. Yes, well, it's I called need, disassociative identity disorder now. If and you, can you aid in that a little bit? Because I <laughs> have someone that I see on this. You know, one of my ladies. You know, yeah. Yeah, I can identify three or four personalities, you all know, right, right. I'm trying to dig the other six or seven, but <laughs> I need someone that can help me out. You know, I can give you the clinical information about it, but um, <laughs> it's a very controversial topic. I think that's called and, female. And, excuse me. I'm just saying, I, I'm sorry, but he's not hey. used to having a woman on the podcast. Uh, hey, <laughs> no, hey, I, I am the agitator. Someone who's going to get them. I oh, push yeah. the buttons. Well, we have emotional depth, so I think that's maybe what you're thinking of. I don't know. Mm. I call it female. If you want to get on me for it, I, I welcome it. I this will. is the hour for it, not the next hour. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I get it. Yeah, no, that's um, who I am, man. I, I have to say what I think. I feel you. And then you, if I'm wrong, you know, you tell me. But we'll slap you down. Yeah. Go, if it, you know, I was a kid that got whippings every day, and I still, mm-hmm. I, I did anything for a laugh. Okay. I sat on my desk and act stupid knowing good and well 
Mm-hmm. When I get home, my dad's going to beat my ass. But I couldn't <laughs> help it. Yeah. Like something made me do it. So I, mm-hmm. I think I have a disorder. Like, like, I know, like, don't say that, don't say that. Well, he I mean, just beat me to the mom's there's, ass there's thing. A lot, well, I was there's, trying to think. Like, no, there's a lot of things that weren't diagnosed then that we know a lot more about. Yeah, like I was an ADD baby. Yeah. And I think they made that up. No. We can see structural changes in the brain. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. Uh, <laughs> I love where he goes. No, Everything's no, made up. But go ahead, I love it. No, no. <laughs> you can see structural changes in the brain. Okay. Uh, I can't remember if it's a CAT scan or MRI. MRI. But one of them measures the uh, flow of oxygen to like different parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so that flow of oxygen tells you that that part of the brain is busy, mm-hmm. like it's doing stuff. And mm-hmm. with ADHD, you know, when it, compared to like a neurotypical brain, you can see definite differences. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you think? It, also can, with depression can, and anxiety. A, yeah, can, how do you think it came about? Oh, ADHD? A- ADD um, first, because you, you well, had ADD first. Then, okay. So how do you think it come about? You're, you can give me your professional, you know, right. what the books say, because I'm going to give you what I believe. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> if it's okay. Uh, of course it honestly, is. Honestly, I just consider it a form of neurodiversity. I mean, some of us are neurospicy, and I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the DSM sometimes it focuses on um, pathologizing brain, you know, men, brain differences. And sometimes that's, you know, makes a lot of sense. If you have bipolar disorder and... Honestly, in order to keep your, you know, keep yourself sta- uh, stable and functional, you need to take medication. Okay, mm-hmm. well, all right then. Um, people with ADHD, I find like I have ADHD, but I'm unmedicated. Mm-hmm. Now, back when I worked for corporate America, um, I did have to medicate myself because I was in a situation where um, if I didn't medicate myself, I literally had a hard time doing my job and staying focused and getting mm-hmm. everything done and being productive. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm a therapist and honestly I stand in front of people and talk and do groups. I do like five groups a day. Mm-hmm. And so I find that I don't need that, that medication because, um, something about, you know, standing up and talking and it, it just, it focuses me, um, mm-hmm. uh, mainly, I don't, you know, I'm there, right, too. Yeah, yeah, I have ADHD. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I know this. <laughs> you can see it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, you I'll never sit here sit and I'm still. like this. I'm like fucking. You're very fidgety. Yeah. I am. I'm a fidgety do you, motherfucker. Do you believe that a lot of children, and this is what's going to get into what I wanted to ask, talked about. All right. That a lot of children are mis, misdiagnosed. Like just, Yes. And, and the reason why I say this is I got to go to my, because we all have yeah. different places and backgrounds, but where I come from, a lot of fathers, mm-hmm. you had you had drugs, crack, mm-hmm. cocaine, this. 70s, yeah. early 80s, and they took a lot of fathers out of the homes mm-hmm. and when it's for selling these drugs, yeah. and they were locked up. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of boys, big, strong males like mm-hmm. myself. We yeah. had athletes, mm-hmm. future boxers, future craftsmen yeah. that had all this energy, and they didn't have a father mm-hmm. to take them outside and play football. They didn't yeah. have a father to this and their mother Mm -hmm. had to come into a community where there was no parks and no this. Mm -hmm. And so these boys have all this energy. And when they go to school, they act up. Yeah. The mother is not able to do this and that because she's at work or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so they say, here, give them this medication. And from my understanding, this medication was similar to the drugs that their father got locked up. And there are similarities between uh, Adderall and and things like that and methamphetamine. Adderall is a type of amphetamine. And what about cocaine and Prozac? Uh, Uh, Well, whatever medicines they were given for ADD. Ritalin. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what I, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're all stimulants. Yes. There you go. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is over the years, 
of these children that were on these drugs. Because if you notice, you had ADD. Mm-hmm. Well, when did, when was when did that come out? In the eighties, early eighties. So, I think that that's probably. Yeah, I'm not accurate, good with like what it was so I'm, recognized. I'm just yeah. going to say, yeah. I haven't, then, I haven't really done the deep yeah, dive yeah, into those. You don't have to be exact here. Yeah. Because I'm definitely not. Uh-huh. And then you have a few years later, in the later 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, you start coming out with ADHD. Yeah. What happens is on these medications that people become immune to them, mm-hmm. I'm saying what I believe, and then it gets worse. So do you think that a lot of people, like today, mm-hmm. because I know friends like me, I was going to get into a certain type of class, but luckily I had parents and I had people mm-hmm. church that said, no, there's nothing wrong with this boy. He just need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And I had a counselor that could watch me mm-hmm. in school. And I went from possibly going to remedial classes and medication yeah. to actually being in accelerated classes. Well, okay. So for one thing, so there's a lot of, okay. So one thing, there's a lot of intersectality between mm-hmm. ADHD um, trauma Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Trauma and believe it or not, autism. I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a there's there's kind of a and there's a big intersect there, and especially with women and girls, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, most of the studies on ADHD were done with boys and men. Right, exactly. So there's a big bias in that, and so the way women and girls present is very different. Right. Um, but I also think that like there was some misdiagnosis there. That's I also I think that. Um, in many times, many cases, there was kind of an over, over dependence on that medication yes, because even if you have that medication, you still need to learn skills. Exactly. And right. that's, you know, and like, for example, when I was on the ADHD medication, um, yes, it helped me focus more. Yes, it kept me on track and everything. But at the same time, I also had to teach myself skills so that um, like coping skills so that when later on I came off the medication, um, I still had those coping skills. So they kind of saw me through it. Right. But yeah, I I feel like in the '90s there was a lot of just tossing medication at kids and not really, not really working on the other things they needed to work on. That's what I'm getting at when I say misdiagnosed. Yeah. So how do you how would because I know a lot of people like this Mm -hmm. and they they have other uh, what is it like addictions in this? Yeah. They come from these childhood. Well, it's because they're it's because they are. um, um, They become dependent. They become dependent, and then they start using other substances. Right. And I can't remember the term, <laughs> uh, yeah. but using self-medicating. Yeah. With yeah. other with other substances. How do you, how do you deal, or what do you recommend for people like that? Could counseling? What I'm basically asking you is, is counseling could it work for things like this? Yes, it, absolutely. Yeah, um, actually, one of the best ways, you know, for a lot of these types of, um, you know. I'm going to say neurotypical issues. Like I I don't consider ADHD to be like a mental illness, quote, unquote. Um, But the effects effects from the medicine, that's what I'm more looking at. Maybe not ADHD ADHD itself, Mm -hmm. but if you were on Ritalin or if you were on this or on that for so Mm -hmm. many years. Um, It does cause changes in the brain. And if you did not need them. You know, exactly. That's well, and another thing about it, though, is when you're talking about diagnosis, okay, um, I feel like there's a lot of bias that goes into it sometimes, yeah. um, you know, bias from the parents, because the parents have their mind made up that this is what the problem is. And so they will specifically tell the psychiatrist things that, um, again, using bias, um, things that support, you know, that diagnosis that's true. That's and true. not thinking to mention other things. That's true. Um, for example, my former stepson um, initially, you know, he was diagnosed with ADHD and it just didn't sit right with me. It, it was like, no, he's not ADHD. So I started looking into some of the things that he was doing 
And I was like, holy crap, I think he has autism. Mm. And it was years later that he actually got the correct diagnosis of autism. And that made a lot more sense. But like the ADHD medication, I really didn't like what it did to his personality because Mm. I didn't feel like he needed it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, he was a very busy boy. Um, I remember when he was like three years old. I remember him uh, jumping off of a coffee table and me basically doing like a full-on dive to catch him <laughs> from hitting the floor because I was like, oh, my God, if he goes home with bruises, they're going to give me so much hell. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I so, just, I just, I, I agree with you. I just, mm-hmm. just want to put that out because I always like to represent a certain group of people or where I come from. And I, in, in the situation you said is right, mm-hmm. but I know people more in this situation. The mother's trying to work. Yeah. The school's calling her every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, your son's doing this. Your son's doing that. Yeah. Hey, we think he needs to be this. Hey, we think he mm-hmm. needs. And the mother doesn't really know. All yeah. she knows is I need to go to work and I don't need to. I can't afford for them saying they're about to kick him out of school because I yes. don't have nowhere for him to go. I yeah. went through that give, with my son. Give honestly. him the medicine. Give yeah. him the medicine. Mm-hmm. These people, because I, that's who I'm more talking about. Gotcha. What would be how? What kind of advice could you give them? I know they have to pay more attention, be more active, uh-huh. because there's a lot of people in that situation right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of young, and like I say, males, more males that I know mm-hmm. of, and they're going to be diagnosed with something or they're going to be given something mm-hmm. that's going to affect them later. What, yeah. are other, what are other ways as a counselor, as a therapist, mm-hmm. that you could provide or information or advice you could give? I'm going to just say oh, okay. a single mother in this situation. Absolutely. Well, I am a single mother, and I was in this situation. Uh, my son, um, um, he got kicked out of multiple, multiple um, daycares, like over and over again. Like, it mm-hmm. was so stressful. And then when I started him in public school for kindergarten, um, the first couple of weeks went okay, but then they were calling me to pick him up every day because he was doing some wild stuff. Was he like, like yelling and screaming, or what? Is oh he no, he was leaving the classroom. He'd just take off running, and then have to chase him around the school. <laughs> oh damn! Um, oh no, no, I got more. Um, he actually eloped from the school. He ran out of the school, damn. and they had to chase him down. Damn. And in the library, okay, so he he stole the librarian's walker and was <laughs> running. I'm not kidding. He was running. Problem around the school child, man. Remember yes. that movie? Yeah. Uh huh. And then the other thing too is like. Um, when he would have meltdowns and so his meltdowns were incredibly violent. Yeah. Like wow. he was, like, he'd have a meltdown with me. He'd be punching me in the face, trying oh, to break man. my glasses, biting me, oh, really? kicking me, spitting on me. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. He's five. Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's he, five. My, you know what my parents would have said? This really bad when he was three. You know what my parents would have said? Oh, I know. You would have said to whip his ass. They would have said, ain't nothing wrong with that boy. He didn't eat his ass whoop. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I That's tried, what I said. Yeah, no, I, no. I tried that route out of desperation and I'll be honest, all it did was make him more aggressive. So and what's wrong us, with him? Oh, um, he has autism, uh, uh, OCD, ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder and ADHD. Damn. Yeah. Well, you could tell who, who's ADHD in this group. Just look <laughs> yeah. at my pad. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, hey, I got uh, one more question, sure. and then we'll have to put a wrap to part one of okay. our conversation. You but, didn't um, get your question asked, answered. No, no, you did. Okay. Like, everything's awesome. right. But uh, I actually have a family member who, as a child, was uh, diagnosed with critical stage hyperactiveness, mm. and they wanted to give her Ritalin back then. Okay. And uh, I guess we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but... Mm. Uh, do the, do the medications you think over the years do they really make some people worse? Um, I I would say that if you're if the diagnosis is not correct, yes. 
Um, again, some forms of autism, uh, the way they present, they present as if there's, it's ADHD, like for the like untrained observer. Um, but then, you know, if you have more trained clinical eyes, you might see the other things and go, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's, that's not what's going on there at all. Or maybe that's not all that's going on there. Yeah, because, I mean, you can treat some, if they, like my son, he has ADHD. Treating the ADHD um, did not help with all the other behaviors, you know. So it really does take a really good psychiatrist. Um, and I'll be honest, those are very hard to find. And a really good psychologist as well um, to get that really good, accurate diagnosis. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, this is the Genex Talk podcast, and we are joined today by licensed professional counselor, Mary Susan Lyons, MS. And uh, we are going to, we are available everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast, check us out. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And we will be back next week for part two of our conversation with counselor Susan. So uh, until next time, we will see you later.